You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 18 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Stephen, so? So I think, even though we have been talking about this pretty much since the election in 2016, I think it's fairly safe to say that January 31st, 2020, can be recorded in history as the day that democracy in America died. <laughs> Finally. Well, it's been a slow, painful death rattle. But um, oh my god, it's not good. What happened? <laughs> not good at what, all. What happened yesterday is not good. So much so that my good friend got himself good and drunk last night. <laughs> my friend who almost never drinks. I was, I was, I was hammered by five o'clock. That's yesterday. not good. I mean, no, it was totally right. I was. It was. Um, to be honest with you, it was uh, a meeting that I was having. Um, and you got drunk during the meeting? Well, they, you know, it was like, hey, let's let's get a bottle of wine. Sure. And then I think you were one bottle of wine turned into a second bottle of wine. I you were doing shots or something. No, no, no. Off of a stripper. Wasn't off, that crazy? Off of a stripper. <laughs> Out of her belly button? Yeah, I mean, that's how you usually roll. <laughs> it is the way. I used to roll before I was woke. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you, they just call that Friday afternoon where you come from. <laughs> My God! But that's how bad that, that's how bad it was yesterday. That Stephen got nice and drunk. It was a got, for me. It was a sobering moment for you. It was. I got nice and liquored up. It was. A, it was a weird. Yesterday was a super weird day. I got to be honest with you. And then, man, like I don't know. I I was reading all the uh, things that different members of the Senate uh, said as to why they want did not want. To oh, call witnesses now. Let's let's set aside people like Lindsey Graham, who, call, who said this whole thing was was a bunch of some part quote unquote some partisan bullshit yeah. in the House. That's a direct quote. Um, he should know. But Lisa Murkowski uh. said that she couldn't vote for calling witnesses because it was impossible for the Senate trial to be fair. But the reason why it wasn't fair was because. The party from which she belongs wasn't permitting witnesses or documents. So she was saying that her party was acting so, but, so she was saying we can't have witnesses because it's unfair that we don't have witnesses. You know the the, the that was weird. The verbal, that was the weirdest statement. The verbal gymnastics and the the mental gymnastics that went on. You know who was it? Was it uh, Marco Rubio who said? While he these, said, "Just because yeah, it meets just, the, the right. standard of impeachment doesn't mean we should impeach because the country's polarized." Just because it would be bad for the country, <laughs> or it would, no, it would be bad for your party, is what you're saying, right? So, and I then think, again, I don't know why people thought Lamar Alexander was going to vote uh, for you know, we, witnesses. We that hang, guy has a very, very conservative voting record. We hang our He's hopes. always been with the president. He's the Tennessee chairman of Reelect Trump 2020. Why did anybody think? Yeah. I, I think sometimes the press manufactures these things. Well, we hang our hopes on whomever we think is going to be the savior du jour. And, I mean, well, 
This is why I said after the Attorney General whitewashed the Mueller report, the only way to beat the president is at the is at the ballot. Again, it, yes, if there were a fair election, and I don't believe necessarily that the elections are going to be fair. Well, there was there was the the flip of the House in 2018. Fair enough, but we don't know. We know that the Russians interfered in the 2016 election. 16, right? We, we don't know that they want Trump to continue to be president. Right. And we know that this administration has no interest in stopping the Russians from interfering again. So what makes anybody think that they won't do it? What makes... Mm, I, nothing. No, I nothing. heard... I listened to... Actually, there is a, a senior intelligence official who's been charged with combating election interference. Uh-huh. And I heard her on the radio the other day. Yeah, and was and it she said that the, the... Well, what she said was that there was can be no doubt that the Russians are trying. There's no doubt. And what she... They asked her, they said, well, you know, the president has, you know, said that this did not happen. Right. There's a 400 we, guy on a bed who's doing it. <laughs> and she in turn said, she said the intelligence community continues to see indications but, that the but, Russians. But this, but the Congress and the, and the administration, they refuse to do anything about well, it. So, so here's the thing. I was, I, I was talking to my mom earlier. Wow. And I yeah. And I was saying, she's like, so what do you think? And I said, what do I think? I think I'm going to jump out a window. What do you think? <laughs> I said, I didn't tell her that I had a few drinks yesterday. Because um, she'd say, you know, that's not good for you. You know, um, Stephen, drinking is really not good It's for not you. good for you. Not good for um, I said, at this point, I am not entirely convinced that it matters whether the president is reelected. Because... The most important thing is for the Democrats to hold on to the House and, to flip and the, the flip the Senate. Yeah, we've, right. we've talked about it, this. It, right. So it doesn't really matter. And so I think a lot of people need to concentrate their time, energy, and resources. We've, I definitely agree. We've talked about this a bunch. I know. Yeah. And so, but of course, it's all about the president. Because really, look, right now, what essentially the Senate has done, what the Senate Republicans have done, has said, that the president is not subject to oversight right. by is, the legislative he is branch. Above the law. That, that they were uh, being, I know this is going to shock you, massively cynical that when President Obama signed the DACA thing, uh-huh. they carried on that he was acting like an emperor and a monarch. Yet their whole defense of the president is that he's not subject to any. Laws essentially. Their whole mo is any. They blamed Obama, or they would accuse Obama of all these things that they're actually doing themselves. Do you remember? Do you remember when they talked about how Obama, based on nothing other than their paranoia, that Obama was going to change the constitution so that he could run for a third term, or that Obama right. wasn't going to relinquish power when he right. was when his term right. was up, his second term. Guess what? Yeah. There's a way, right. way, way bigger risk of this actually happening in 2024. Right. Well, and so I think this is the thing. I think this is the thing that's important is that if people are interested in the rule of law and reform so that the president yeah. cannot repeat what has happened, the combination of Trump and Mitch McConnell is, yeah, cannot right. happen exactly. again. Exactly. 
Exactly. The common, that, you need to flip. Right? And the real, and look, and the root of all of this is essentially in the Senate. Look at going back to Merrick Gorland. Look, going yeah. back to the very beginning of the first Obama administration, Mitch McConnell said that his goal in life was to make sure that Barack Obama failed. So, for, the yeah, place really to achieved, start is really, in the Senate. He's really And the place to start with the political reform that's necessary in this country is with people focusing on retaining the House and flipping the Senate. End of story. Okay. And then so let's it's, say, it's immaterial whether Trump is the president okay, or so not. Okay, so let's say that the Dems flip the Senate and they keep right. the House. And then... Yeah. What they vote to impeach him again, and then the Senate will have I, 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 will have a trial, and they will. Well, you need, but you need you need uh, more than obvi- a simple majority. Uh, yes, obviously. Right. Obviously. No, what I'm thinking is more long term. Is the kinds of electoral reforms that the House, when it when it was sworn in in 2019, passed first thing it did, all kinds of political reforms to ensure the integrity of our institutions and to ensure that when Perhaps in the future, another group of people are elected who don't yeah. share those norms and principles that the institutions will not be uh, will, will withstand it. And I'm not convinced that that's the case. So people say, "Oh my God, I can't imagine if the if the president's reelected, we the country won't be able to take it. The well, country can take it as long as the the Senate isn't controlled by uh, by the Republicans." Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of is, you know that's something we've been saying for a long time. Um, there's no question, and we've also talked about this, the one thing, and I won't even call it a silver lining in this era because there are no silver linings, but at the very least, we now see where our weak points are, and we know that we, these are the That's points. That's exactly right. These are the points that need to be fixed. We see well, there was this and maybe in 2012 or at the beginning of the 21st century, most Americans didn't see these weak points right. because they weren't in such sharp relief. The, the, the problem is is that I think that you can look at what's happened objectively and say there's need for political reform. Yeah. But things are so polarized that to suggest that, you know, the Senate majority leader has been obstructionist, the Senate majority leader has made it impossible uh, for has I'm sorry, has made it possible for the president to ignore um, lawful subpoenas from from uh, from the House, um, all kinds of things like that. That's an objective statement, yeah. a fact that is seen as a hyper-partisan accusation, yeah, which is, is I don't know how you get anything done in, in that case. You know, it's it's like what's happened, again, I mentioned this in a previous, previous episode. In Virginia, for the first time in a generation, Democrats control the right. governor's mansion and both houses right. of parliament. Of both houses of uh, of the of the, of the state legislature. Yeah. Did I say parliament? You I'm did. thinking Brexit here. You did. So anyway, so this is the first time in a generation that's happened, and immediately their opponents are screaming, "It's tyranny! It's tyranny!" Because the Democrats are going about yeah, they setting the agenda legislation that they don't like. But it's tyranny, tyranny, tyranny. It's all happening in the open. It, there was an election, so that's the kind of hyperpartisanship that worries me. That makes that's, the kinds of reforms. That's not going away anytime soon. No, that's really not. That's but that's really, really the, that's really the. Even so, that should be the focus. It should. It be. should not be the White House. It should. Be. I don't care. But this, I don't care who it is. This hyper 
partisanization, partisan. I mean, I care who it is, but obviously, in the abstract, it doesn't matter. The, the the environment that we're in right now is not going to get fixed based on who's elected in twenty twenty. There's, I don't see how no. we get out of this short of some sort of cataclysmic event. There's nothing that's going to change the minds of the Trump right. supporters that somehow, mm-hmm. you know, if right. he loses, then it's unfair. And if he right. wins, then he can do whatever he wants. And so well, it's, we're in a which dangerous is why, we're in a, Which is why it strikes me the best possible outcome yeah. in order to right, as if the Senate, reduce right. the tension, yeah. reduce the possibility of violence, reduce those things is... He wins, but the Dems flip the Senate and hold on to the House. That's not the best possible outcome, though. That's the, well, that's the I mean, second, that's the second best possible outcome. Well, look, if he loses, yeah. there is, as you point out, the possibility that he says it's illegitimate, and he has partisans who are yeah. so ready to believe conspiracy theories about the Democrats that there is the chance of violence. Right, and then what? So if Where he wins, but there? it's hemmed in by a Congress that is genuinely interested in checking the power of the presidency, then you then you have a different, so a different story. So basically what we're saying is that Mitch McConnell is more dangerous than Donald Trump. Well, you've been saying that for a long yeah. time. In this environment, he is the enabler. He is the one. He's got his, his skinny, old, wrinkled fingers <laughs> choking out our democracy. He's the one who's doing it. You know, you know uh, who... Had the greatest day of his life yesterday? Uh, Putin. Vladimir <laughs> Putin saw not one, but two of his pet projects come to fruition yesterday. So in addition to what happened in Washington, yeah. yesterday, Brexit happened. Yeah. So the two of the greatest rivals, two of Russia's greatest rivals were weakened immeasurably in one fell swoop. He probably got drunker than you did last night. <laughs> He's probably it's, still it is, drunk. It's it's true. Look, Brexit is, as someone pointed out, is essentially the triumph of democracy at the expense of common sense. <laughs> right? Yep. It doesn't make any sense. And you're right. I mean, what Putin has wanted was to sow division in the West. Yeah. And Britain in the EU makes for a much stronger EU than Britain on its own and the EU without Britain. There's no question. There's absolutely no question about it. Certainly, uh, Britain isn't the only you know, project that Putin has in, in, in Western Europe. Um, no, but just wait so, until. But it, but it is a it is an achievement to yeah. split the the split the Europeans. You know, at, it, Great Britain, the UK has been in the European Union, or you know what was previously the the yeah. EEC and the EC for forty seven years. Yeah, I coincided with a long period of peace. Well, uh, the next move uh, next move is for NATO to go away, and then Putin really has won. When he has, when he can weaken NATO to the point where it becomes completely irrelevant, that it won't even, mm. that they can't even act, that it won't act, right. then what good is it? It won't. It, does, it essentially will not exist anymore. Well, he he doesn't. Putin doesn't have. NATO doesn't have to come to an end. He just has to. He has it, to render it, it completely to, ineffective. Well, right, and so you know, there's the United States has 
been obviously the the enabler of NATO. If not for the United States, NATO could not do much. Right. So add that to this America first thing exactly. and that our allies are ripping us off and the president who, you know, for a long time has had this had, had, has had this view yep. that, you know, NATO doesn't have to formally go away. Well, he's just but, he's weakened it to the point where it almost right. it doesn't it's irrelevant. It doesn't right. matter if it and exists. Putin has other projects. His Turkey project has also, you know, weakened NATO. He's winning. He's winning. And not expending a lot of money. He is much uh, savvier than any of the Western leaders are. Any of them. I, I think without it, I think this the, the long period after the Cold War, I think it left people um, kind of self-satisfied, Complacent. believing that there would never be... That complacent yeah. that there would never be a competitor to the United States and NATO, or that if it was, it was going to come from China. But we'd be so economically integrated with the Chinese, the end of it, it would be a, something totally yeah. different. The end of history, and Europe's really become quite complacent. Um, and, and yeah, and uh, you know, it's, you know no, it's no coincidence that this is coming. You know, 75 years after the end of World War II, when uh, most of the people who were alive then are now dying out. Uh, right. So people, That's exactly right. So people were not alive who remember World War II and right. remember why it was important to create these right. structures to help it, it was really, international peace and stability. I was thinking something along these lines just the other day because I'm reading the book that George H.W. Bush and Brent Scowcroft wrote together. Uh-huh. In which they are, they along with James Baker uh, are devising plans along with Helmut Kohl about the reunification of Germany and what Europe should look like yeah. after the reunification of Germany, and they making they're making these arguments that can only be made by people who lived through that era yeah. and understood how the stability. And prosperity of Europe within the orbit of the United States and a whole unified West was critically important to the security of the United States and, in fact, the world. And, you know, President Trump not committed no. to that idea we're, at all. We're seeing a total realignment. President Obama had his issues with European leaders, although he had a very good relationship with Angela Merkel, but didn't have much of – didn't have a good relationship with – but he Either never, David Cameron or but he never Nicholas Sarkozy, but he never tried to undermine. He never questioned you know, the importance fact, of, the, right, of these that's exactly alliances. Right. That is, was the distinction I was drawing, yeah. was that he may not have had good, such good relations with those leaders, but he never questioned NATO, whereas the president has actually questioned the, the utility of NATO. And, I, and you're right. People don't have a view of it. And what's interesting, it's not the kind of European peacenik left that you think about during those battles in the Cold War about – you know, intermediate nuclear forces and uh, conventional forces and so on and so forth. It's also the nativist right, which the Russians have penetrated. Exactly. And that's what, and that's what have, I was about to who say. Who are helping to bring Europe closer or, or I don't, helping to split Europe right. away from... It's a real, uh, it's a realignment. A, it's a realignment. Yeah. And it seems to be centered around white nationalism. And who is the global yeah. leader of white nationalism? And that's Vladimir Putin. Or who is seen as the global leader of right. white nationalism? And that's Putin. 
So yeah. we do see a realignment. And, you know, you think all of these people in this country who have always been, you know, these great patriots and who have seen the Russians as the enemies because of communism, they don't see Russia the same way anymore. They don't no, see because it they see, as an authoritarian right. threat to liberal democracy. They see it as a well, protector s- of white rights and of white Christianity. Right. That's right. Important Christianity yeah. and, and Christian and Christian values. Right. Christian values. That is, is very, very important because of the way in which the Russians think about uh, in which well, the way in which national white nativists in other parts of the world think about the way the Russians deal with Chesh- Muslims. Chechnya, right. wherever else. Right. Muslims, exactly. So, right. So really But meanwhile but meanwhile the Russians are deeply involved with all kinds of you know all kinds of nasty groups in the Muslim world. Right. Whether it's aligned with Hezbollah and the Iranians here, um supporting uh, different groups in different places to advance Russia's interests. Right. But meanwhile, you know, the guys who show up at these Trump rallies with T-shirts say, I'd rather be Russian than a Democrat, are motivated, I think, in part by their Islamophobia. And they don't really, they're obviously not sophisticated enough to understand that the Russians are pursuing their national interests and that Putin is putting one over on them if they think that he's a defender of Christian values exactly. and Christian civilization. It's totally ridiculous. So they are what uh, Lenin would call useful idiots. I, I, I they, think they are useful idiots. But anybody who would don the T-shirt, I'd rather be Russian than a Democrat, is is, well, is, an, idiot, is an idiot useful idiot or not? Yeah, idiot right. useful or not? But right. It's just an idiot. What's interesting about this conversation that we're having today is we're rehashing in, in a different way. If you think back to your grad student days of the early '90s. Right. Yeah. At the end right. of the Cold War, you end had, of the Cold War, you right. had these two competing theories, which was the end of history on one hand, and then the clash right. of civilizations on the other hand. Right. So right. really, what we're seeing is the clash of civilizations argument <laughs> winning out. Yes, it <laughs> certainly is. Well, and because I, I think you know, political opportunists are using it for their advantage, and that's the interesting thing actually about culture is that. People use it to advance their their interests yeah. in, in a way that really, you know, is raw for people. And that's, you know, just think about our, our upcoming election. Um, you know, we, we I saw the pollster Charlie Cook recently. He said, you, we used to say that people voted on their pocketbooks right. and they don't. They vote on culture now, well, which is really super interesting well, I mean, to see that shift. But that's kind of been true for a long time when you think about the Republican strategy because Republican the, Republican economic policies don't help the people at the bottom. Right. They, but they I do think what he was saying but they do what he's saying is is that to, now you over time this is now it's kind of the transformation is complete. You know, it goes back to the Nixon Southern strategy right. and you have the Reagan Democrats which were I, uh, uh, you know, white working class who, I, I you know, they, it was couched as kind of economic issues, but I think Reagan appealed to them at a, at a kind of cultural level as well. And now, you know, over time, there's not, it doesn't seem to me that there's really any question 
that people are motivated on on cultural well, and social issues I, I, rather than their pocketbook. Sure, book. think about when. I mean, that's what that whole book. What's the matter with Kansas? Is about right, and think about when you know the twenty sixteen elections were going on, and we started to see this groundswell of support for Trump in Middle America, right? Right. And they, well, not even Middle well, America. Well, Beth Page Long Island. Okay, fine. Even Beth Page Long Island. How about formerly? How about blue collar white America? Let's call it that. Right. Okay. 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 What was the catchphrase yeah. that was going around? Economic anxiety. But right. we all know that economic anxiety is really code for racial anxiety right. and cultural anxiety. Well, and it, so, right. so they claim that it's because of economic anxiety, but it's really not. Right, and there's and I, the economy is doing quite well on, well on the face of it. So, well, there are certain it is. there are certain indicators that are doing well. Well, right, economy. and so stock, people are benefiting. The there's lots of jobs. There are lots there's jobs of, okay. for people. White. There are more jobs for people. So the but economic anxiety, there, there jobs, I think, is right. I would. I, I wanted to discuss this for a second because while there may be more jobs, they're not better paying jobs. Right. They're of course. Not, they're not all uh, jobs with benefits and possible futures. These are these are really so, uncertain times economically. Even if you have a job, looping back, yeah, right. Looping back to Brexit, yeah. the, one of the things that the Brexiteers sold to people, yeah, was that your economic anxiety will go away because good paying jobs. You won't be working in warehouse uh-huh. jobs that are paying not even a living wage. Well, what kind of jobs would they have? And how would that They're going to go back to the coal mines? I mean, that's They're going to the start idea, building right? car, you know. Beautiful. Is there going to be an indigenous British car industry again? Beautiful, clean coal. Beautiful coal jobs will come but back. But that's what people, that's what people in, outside of London in the Midlands or the North right. were sold on. But that's also what was that there would be, in West Virginia were sold on. That's exactly on. right. And so, but the but it's really it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. It's not going to happen, right. and we haven't even ta- started talking about the real economic inequalities that have become more and more acute over the last forty years. So, really, what we're talking about when there are more have-nots, what we're not right. talking about is the haves at the top who are hoarding the money. So, and they're the ones who are controlling the political system. Show me the money. Uh, I don't know. What well, yeah, of course. You know, institutions reflect the interests of those who are in power. Right. And, the, and that's what we have. We got a real problem. We need to. There, there's a big problem in the Western. I mean, world. look at it at a at an at an objective and analytic level. The president isn't wrong when he said the political system is rigged. It is. Well, it's rigged because the people who are in power. Their interests are reflected in our laws right. and regulations. It is rigged. And we've talked about right. this ad nauseum, that Trump and Sanders in 2016 were two sides of the same coin. And they were, <laughs> right. they were really, they attracted uh, uh, supporters because they were essentially saying the system is rigged against you. And they were both right. There were, were, I mean, and easily could are crossover voters between Ugh. the Sanders people and Trump people. Unfortunately, join the political revolution. I'm, Send me twenty seven dollars. If you vote, if you voted for Sanders in the primaries, and then you turned around and said, "I'm voting for Trump," I got nothing to say to you. 
I, 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 I'm I sure there are people who did I, there that. There were. There were a lot. And they actually right. had an impact on the election. Join the political revolution. And, and the Bernie bros are the same ones who, if he doesn't become the nominee this time around... The, if if he doesn't get the nomination, they will not vote. Right. Or they're going to vote for Trump. Vote for Trump, right. That's a right. huge right. problem. Well, this is the circular firing squad aspect of the, of the, the Democratic Party. Yep. Ralph Nader, anyone? Mm. Jill Stein? Jill, Jill, Stein, Jill Stein, Stein? Ralph Nader? They're all, right. you know... Because Hillary Clinton was the same uh, as... Right, there's no difference. Can I... No difference. No, there's no difference. Can I just tell you what makes... The only thing that makes me happy at this point is this. Ready for it? I'm, I'm now batting for the New York Yankees, the shortstop, number two, Derek <laughs> I keep listening to that. Are you going to go to Cooperstown the weekend he is enshrined in the Hall of Fame? What weekend is that? Yeah, sometime in July. I don't know. Wouldn't that be awesome? Should we do that? You know how many people are going to be there? A million. It's going to be ridiculous. All wearing their, all wearing their Yankee jerseys with number two on the back. true. I'm going to skip that weekend, oh. I think. Oh, man. Sorry. Yeah, we could, I'm, sure, I'm sure you can't get a hotel room within 100 miles no. of Cooperstown. No, what you would yeah. do is you drive up that morning. It's only five hours from Manhattan. And then drive back. And then drive Damn. You know what, though? Yeah, Cooperstown what? will be a mess that day because it will be a wash with Yankee fans and it will be insane. Oh, it'll be amazing. It would be great, but like, what would you do there? You'd be like, great, I saw the. I saw <laughs> the, the back of some dude's head. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> I was two blocks away from the, from the ceremony because that's as close as I could get. I, I presume I'm going to be. I, I presume I'm going to be watching it on TV so it's yeah, not really that it. much of an issue and I can just listen to Bob Shepard introduce right. and you could watch, Derek Jeter and you can watch your Derek Jeter highlights and you know right. it's kind right. of like going to the victory parade after they win the World Series <laughs> right right it's like yeah you do that once I went in 2009 because somebody who we were friends with had friends who gave us access to the to an office overlooking lower Manhattan but you know what? That's pretty cool. It was cool. It was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I don't need to go to the parade. I would much rather right. be at the game where they win. I get you it. You know, the parade is like, oh, great. Look, there's Mariano Rivera. Wave to Mariano, everybody. <laughs> so meanwhile, that's just the respite from the, hey, from the, from the, the very real fact that we don't live in a functioning democracy. I was having lunch with my friend Hussein this week. Hussein? And we kind of... My friend Hussein. We've mentioned Hussein before. Freedom hating Hussein. <laughs> He's not freedom hating. You know Hussein. You know what Hussein means in Arabic. <laughs> what? He who hates freedom. <laughs> and and America. All right, to our listeners who are not Arabic speakers, that's not true. No, it's not. Wait, are you telling it's me not. that somebody told me? Something that was not true <laughs> about the name Hussein, because I was told that Barack's middle, Barack Obama's middle name was Hussein. It, it, it is. And, it still is Hussein. Nobody yes. Nobody hated freedom more than Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> well, I and don't believe maybe, that Barack Obama hated who hated freedom, I think, and I don't believe my buddy Hussein hates freedom. Maybe it's you. So anyway, we were maybe talking it's about it. You who hates freedom. Hussein's an no, unbelievably brilliant guy. I've mentioned this before. He's well-read. And we were just kind of going through it, like me being the political scientist and him having read every book under the sun. And it's very 
it's it's not hard to come to the conclusion that we live in a a liberal society in that kind of yeah but that we the our democracy is not functioning no it's not functioning it's at all it's not functioning and that's why I've been listening to Derek Jeter get introduced and that's why I listen to the Amen Corner <laughs> I, I just want to say to Hussein if you are listening I, yeah. I don't think that you hate freedom <laughs> he knows it I don't think he hates he knows it. it I think Stephen hates um, freedom I don't think you hate freedom <laughs> Yes. Well, the Amen Corner is the is the is the antidote to our faltering <laughs> democracy. Hey, you know, speaking of the Amen Corner, yeah. you know, we never give a shout out to our producer Daron. So I want to give a shout yes. out to Daron. Hey, Daron! Hey. Shout out to you, buddy. Daron, no, I just wanted to give another, just was adding to the shout out. Hey, Daron! Shout out for Daron. He makes it happen. He does He's the voice every week. He's the voice who brings us in with the with the um, with, Van Halen. with the first beats of Running with the Devil. I'm in, corner, I'm in corner wouldn't happen without without Daron. Would not happen without Daron. Thanks, Daron. I love that guy. Yeah, we love him. Great guy. We love you, man. Great guy. Um, so great guy. That I mean, he likes, that makes he me loves, feel better momentarily. He loves freedom. Daron loves freedom. He does. He does. Daron definitely loves freedom. All right. I, it makes me feel better momentarily, but now I don't feel so good. Well, you have the rest of the week to feel bad until <laughs> I have to wait for our new mattress. That'll week. make me happy. Nice. Enjoy that. All right. All right, we're out. I'll use it in good health. We're out. Bye.